really appreciate hearing all of those wishes of compassion. And like, could you feel kind of that energy of, of care? Um, that's kind of beautiful to have a moment to pause and feel into that capacity uh, that we have. I've been paying a lot of attention to what's been the most useful for me right now. And this movement from worry to care um, is what I come back to again and again and again. Anytime I can catch when I'm sinking into that worry mind and take that kind of pause that we just did to identify the worry and translate it into a statement of care and compassion. There is something that um, is very settling, very clearing um, um, for me with that kind of practice. So if you think about it, worry is typically about what's beyond our control, what's out of our control. And it has this strong quality of wanting what's beyond our control to work out our way. Uh, if there's a way we can catch that clinging or that attachment to wanting things to work out according to our plan, um, which can be a very compassionate, caring plan, but the reality is it's beyond us. If we can catch how we've let go of the compassion and we're instead dropped down into a clinging, desiring, wanting sort of place, which is the, the amygdala, the fight, flight, freeze part of the brain, trying to deal with what, it's, what it can't, what it's not designed for in that way. If we can catch that we've, we've let go of the compassion for the situation and we've dropped into the hole of wanting, desiring, clinging, we really open up this space where we can start to touch into the underlying pain that's there. And being with the pain itself without falling into the, the rabbit hole of trying to fix what we can't fix, that's what opens up the space for a natural compassion to start to blossom. And there's a real freedom in that, in that movement, a freedom to find the heart's natural ability to be with the pain just as it is, instead of creating these layers um, to go elsewhere. So I thought of a story um, that I haven't, I haven't shared for a long time and I actually couldn't find it. Uh, and, but in my Google search for it, I found another version of it that I, I even like a little better. And to me, this is a story that's a very powerful metaphor for um, working with a lot of pain and respect and care. Um, with what is causing our fear, our worry, our, our desire to fight or flight or fight or flee um, from it. And I just want to say it's a Native American story, and that brings me a, a kind of a sense of pause um, for sharing um, as a non-Native American person. Uh, 
And so I'm doing this out of a lot of respect for Joseph Bruchak, um, who is a Native American elder and storyteller. Um, beautiful storyteller. My, my daughters, we used to get tapes of him when my girls were little telling stories and, and just hearing his voice again this week just brought back this flood of memories um, um, from when we listened to him long ago. And I hadn't heard him tell this story, uh, but I'm going to share it in honor and respect of um, Joseph Bruchak and the gifts that he's giving our world in sharing these stories. So this story is called the Chino or the Chino. Chino, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, C-H-E-N-O-O. And if you don't know what a Chino is, it's a mythical creature, mythical. <laughs> From the far north, um, um, typically uh, was a human that either committed some terrible crime or got possessed by an evil spirit and turned into a monster. Um, with an icy heart, and, and it's a monster that grows stronger through the act of eating, consuming the human spirit, consuming human spirit. So in that, just even that in itself, a powerful metaphor um, for um, thinking about what happens to us when we lose ourselves um, in these places. So this is called the, the Chino. So there uh, were these two brothers and a sister and they decided to um, travel way far north, farther than anyone had gone from their village before to uh, new hunting grounds. Uh, so they arrived in this place that they thought was just right. They set up camp and the first two days were, were beautiful. Um, the brothers would go out and hunt during the day. The sister would pair, prepare camp, prepare the, um, um, the, the animals they brought back and, and whatnot. On the third day, the brothers were out in the woods and they came across footprints, but not just any footprints. These footprints were two feet long and the stride was 10 feet across. They knew, and human footprint. So they knew from, from the, the make of the footprint that they were actually in the country of Achino. And following the footprints, they could see that the footprints were headed straight back to their camp. So in this great fear for their sister, they set off at once running back to the camp. Meanwhile, back at the camp, their sister, whose name was Nolka, was setting up the evening sweat lodge. Um, she had built a great fire, had put rocks on the fire, was um, heating, heating the rocks up, um, had built the sweat lodge. Um, and as she was working, she suddenly heard this huge crashing sound coming through the trees and out into the clearing of their, of their camp stepped this enormous Chino. The description of it, uh, it had a gray body with um, covered with pine pitch. He was wearing a necklace of skulls, human skulls, and had arms and legs as thick as, as, thick as trees. So truly scary, monstrous. 
And as soon as the Chino saw her, he instantly made a, a motion to reach out, grab her and eat her. And in that split second, she thought to yell out to the Chino, grandfather, I have been waiting for you. You have finally arrived. That stopped the Chino in its tracks. No human had ever thought, dared to speak to him in that kind of voice. And he, the Chino actually muttered, grandfather, in this like huge, harsh, booming voice. She answered, yes, grandfather, I have been waiting all day just for you. I have prepared the sweat lodge for you. It's ready now. Please come rest here. The Chino said, I have a granddaughter. Yes, grandfather, and now I will take care of you. Come rest. So the Chino, kind of in this befuddled, confused state, followed her lead and went into the sweat lodge, took up the entire space of the sweat lodge, but squeezed itself in there as the daughter, the, the um, sister, went to get the rocks that had been heated on the fire. She took the first load of the rocks, placed them in the sweat lodge, closed the flap um, for the Chino inside, just as her brothers came bursting through the forest um, in fear for her safety. They started to yell and she um, motioned to them quickly, shh, no, and instead said in a voice loud enough for the Chino to hear, grandfather, your grandsons have also arrived. They are here to greet you too. The two brothers were in total confusion, but the sister made it clear what they were to do. Go over to the flap of the sweat lodge, pull it up and greet the Chino inside as their grandfather, which they did. great booming harsh voice rumbled out of the sweat lodge grandsons i have grandsons to which the sister said yes grandfather and we will now all help with the sweat lodge so they took buckets of water into pour on the hot rocks um, and shut the flap again, thinking at that moment they could escape um, with the Chino distracted by the being in the sweat lodge. But as soon as they shut the flap, the Chino boomed out more rocks. So they knew if they tried to escape and, and miss the voice that that wouldn't work. So they, they quickly, they piled more and more rocks on the fire. They would take loads of rocks into the sweat lodge, pour more and more water on, every time thinking this will be our moment, we can escape. But every time they shut the flap again, the Chino instantly bell bellowed for more. And they finally understood they had to stay for their safety and tend to the Chino in the sweat lodge. 
so great was the mass of steam that began to come out. They eventually thought the, the Chino might pass out from the heat. But instead, when the heat got to the most ferocious place, instead of passing out, the Chino started to sing. He sang this chant, Waye, 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 hu. Waye, 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 hu. Initially, it was with that harsh, harsh, booming voice that shook the entire camp. But as the Chino kept singing, the voice began to get quieter, began to get softer. And eventually, it sounded like the small voice of an old human man in the sweat lodge. At that point, the voice came out of the sweat lodge. Grandchildren, open the door. So they opened the flap and there was this huge gust of steam that blew out and an old man crawled out of the sweat lodge. He was coughing, like hacking and hacking and hacking until at last he coughed up a huge piece of ice that was shaped like a human heart and it shattered when it hit the ground. He said to them, thank you, my grandchildren. You have saved me. I am no longer a monster. Now I truly am your grandfather. So they took the grandfather home back to their village where he lived peacefully with them for the rest of his days. Remarkable story. And one of the things that is the most remarkable about this story to me is that if you consider it, there are moments that unfold exactly like this story in our lives and the lives around us. When we find that capacity to meet the horrific with something else, the icy heart that has turned something monstrous can actually shatter and melt. And of course, you know, the, the, the um, archetype of the Chino is that it doesn't always work. So the story doesn't offer some sort of magic. Um, it offers a possibility to find out in our own lives what happens when we meet whatever's here from this approach. So one way I love listening to these old stories is as a metaphor for our own lives, considering all the characters, all the parts in the story as aspects of our own self. So if you take for a moment just the Chino, what do you know about that part for your own being? It might be that you have had moments where you know something about a monstrous potential that exists within you. It pains me to say, I know about that part within me. Or maybe you just know about your own reactivity 
that in these little moments can take us away from our sanity and our kindness and create small moments where we are delivering pain outward to ourselves or inward to ourselves or to others. So really what creates that Chino aspect for you? And when considering that Chino aspect, I think it's helpful to think of it, um, the metaphor of the icy heart, that part that's frozen and cut off from the flow of life. And what feeds that part? What makes that part stronger? Is it more judgment, more self-incrimination? Um, what do you know about what feeds it? The second part, the sister who treated the Chino with respect, calling the Chino, calling this monstrous part, this monstrous self that walked into the camp, grandfather. A term of respect and a smile to an elder. An elder is someone who has something to teach. She cast the Chino instantly in this form of someone worth listening to, someone, someone with something to teach for her and the need to be treated with respect. So what do you know about when you meet your own fears, your own worries as grandfather, grandmother? What is it in these fears or worries that have something to teach that's useful? that needs this respect. And of course the brothers, they, they fling themselves into the camp ready for fight and flight. That is an aspect of our being as well. Sometimes there are places in our life that's useful. That's really, really helpful. But these two brothers and a sister versus a Chino, fight flight wasn't gonna be of service, wasn't gonna bring anything useful. So where is, the, is that, that movement to an action really skillful, really helpful? And where is it um, that which takes us down? And, and the stepping back, the pausing, the greeting with respect and care has more to offer. Then I love this part of the story. They kept wanting to get away. It wasn't like they treated the Chino with kindness and then they were like all in, oh, we're just gonna turn the Chino into this, this lovey, lovey thing. It was hard and they still wanted out. Um, nobody says this path is necessarily gonna be easy. There are times where we want out, but the reality for this, these brothers and sister was there really wasn't a way to escape to run away. The situation needed them to show up and deal with it as it was. And then the last thing I wanna say around the story is the natural healing that took place. I love that in this story, I've heard this versions of this story before. I'd never heard it in this one, this way before. This version, it's very interesting that the granddaughter, that the um, sister invites the Chino into the sweat lodge. The sweat lodge itself is a place for healing, for 
resting for restoring balance. And the fact that she invites him there is enormous. So what do you know about the equivalent of a sweat lodge, a place of refuge, a place of healing potential for restoring balance that's available and, and um, present for you that you can invite these fears, these anxieties, these worries, these whatever it is that's the chino of this moment that needs a space to recover and heal. And when we go into that place, all the brothers and sister had to do was set the conditions. They didn't force the healing to happen. The healing happened on its own. That is a natural part of our being. How do we open up to a space where our own healing can begin to take care? So I wanna close with two things. Um, one, last week I shared uh, the three refuges, which is a, a Buddhist um, offering. Uh, the Buddhist version is, I take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. Uh, beautiful, beautiful um, naming of refuge in, in places that can offer solace and care. And I shared last week, I had a, um, was in a session with a Buddhist Zen nun um, who um, gave this beautiful offering to rewrite that in language that, that speaks to you. And that rewriting for me has been very fruitful and that's been very much with me. So I just wanna share um, this and invite you to consider, you know, what's your three refuges? What, what makes sense to you? I take refuge in all the loving and wise ones who have come before me. I take refuge in the natural way of the world and all beings. And I take refuge in the beloved community that surrounds me. And last, from Fred Rogers. When I say it's you I like, I'm talking about that part of you that knows that life is far more than anything you can ever see or hear or touch. That deep part of you that allows you to stand for those things without which humankind cannot survive. Love that conquers hate peace that rises triumphant over war, injustice that proves more powerful than greed. So in all that you do in all of your life, I wish you the strength and the grace to make those choices, which will allow you and your neighbor to become the best whoever they are. So let's sit for a moment. Thank you.